No punishment? Cool. I'll do that. I can't. The rules are everything's made up and the points don't matter. It's it's yeah, fine. It's sports. Like that. Cold down our wind up on the grid. It's lights out. And away we go. This week's grid walk. Episode of Gridlock, which is a big deal because we've now done a half year's worth of Gridlock episodes, plus three or four bonus episodes. And I feel like we only started yesterday. We blinked and we're here. Almost silly season. Well, I can't think of a better collection of topics for our 26th episode because we have items from all different facets of Formula One that we find interesting. For starters, it's race week in Hungary. So we're going to preview everything you need to know entering the race, including the brand new qualifying format. You'll also get our weekly bold predictions. Remember, we don't just make bold predictions here, but we also hold ourselves way too accountable for them. So make sure you follow us at Gridwalk Show on social media for our post-race week report cards, because it's really funny to laugh at the silly things we say. We also have two topics around... The politics and regulations of Formula One, which is something we love to nerd out on. One, it is rumored that the FIA have accepted the bids of two new Formula One teams, but that doesn't mean they're actually going to be able to race. And so we're going to discuss why. Two, it is rumored that three teams broke the cost cap last year with announcement that it is rumored to be coming at the end of this month. We discuss possible penalties that could happen because... Of course, it's not going to be the same one that was levied on Red Bull. And the general ramifications for F1, if it turns out to be true, that no one can follow the cost cap rules. And like every week, make sure to stay tuned to the end of the show where we run through Yellow Sector Notes with one bit of news from every team on the Formula One grid. Uh, I also have a little uh, side quest we go on in the Yellow Sector Notes this week. So there's my, there's my preview for that. But that wraps up the Formation Lap for episode 26 of Gridwalk, a weekly F1 podcast that believes there are fascinating stories to discuss across the entire Formula One grid. Don't forget to like and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. Turn on auto downloads if you're listening on any audio platform. All things that greatly support the show. Yay, Gridwalk. Close enough. We're going to do a segment we haven't actually done since probably the beginning of the season, which is Google Translate Corner. Because, unfortunately, neither of us speak German. And unfortunately? I think that I'm okay not speaking German. I guess it'd be I cool. I, but... I think it would just be cool to be fluent in another language. It doesn't have to be German. Like, uh, But AMUS is a German publication that does so much great F1 reporting. AMUS is reporting that the FIA has approved two bids for new teams. The interesting thing, though, is that that doesn't mean they get to race. So some foundation here before we get into discussing. It's reported by AMUS that there were four applicants who officially applied to the FIA's new team process. The Andretti bid that I think we've all heard plenty about hit High tech, hitch tech, I've heard it said both ways, I don't know, um, which is a team notable for being connected to the Mazepan family and Russian money, but allegedly they're not connected to any Russian money anymore, but a lot of people don't believe that. I'm just going to leave an asterisk there is all I'm telling you. But formally, there's no connection to Russian money there or the Mazepans. Then there's a project called Lucky Sun, which is by a wealthy Hong Kong Chinese and uh, billionaire. 
And then there is Roden Motorsport, which is connected to Australian billionaire David Dicker, who made his fortune by distributing commuter, computer hardware and software. Now, all of these, the answer is they're going to be connected to a billionaire, just so we're clear, because... And, and we want them to be, weirdly, because you need enough money to invest and actually be competitive. So we are talking billions. Uh, so those are the four teams that applied. The rumor is the, I'm just going to go with high tech from here on out, but that the high tech Grand Prix and the Andretti Autosport bids were approved by the FIA and that the FIA will be announcing that soon. So what is holding up the announcement is that technically Formula One management, which is the well, management side of Formula One, that's what Liberty Media owns, has a veto right. And Liberty Media and the teams have all said, we don't want new teams. So they've kind of dug their heels in. And what AMUS discusses throughout the article and what they're reporting on is essentially we have a political war here where uh, Mohammed, who is the head of the FIA, is being quoted as he wants to... Uh, show his strength. I was going to say that in a much more inappropriate way. <laughs> and he thinks that he can strong arm the FOM and he wants to show the FOM who's boss essentially by announcing new teams and forcing FOM and Liberty and the teams to have to just accept it. The FOM and the teams are saying, no, you are not going to do that. I love describing really serious matters as if it's just two girls fighting in a teenage bathroom. <laughs> so that's, that is the summary of what is going on here, is we have a political battle playing out behind the scenes where Liberty and the teams don't want new teams, and the FIA is trying to show their strength and power and force new teams onto the grid. So Nicole, uh, how do you see this playing out? And <laughs> that's a lot I just threw at you and the listening audience. How are you feeling? Just... I feel like just a whole lot of things. Um, my initial response when reading this translated article was going to be like, FLM and the teams have made it so abundantly clear that not only do they currently feel like they cannot have more teams be joining the grid, but they need more than just like, Okay, they have the cash. They have the whatever teams that are joining are coming in being, like you said, all of them are going to be backed by a billionaire because it's like you cannot be part of that conversation without coming in with a money figure like that. But even if you're coming in with a money figure like that, like how much is that person going to be continuously pouring money into this? Because as we have recently seen, Alpine being roughly under a billion dollars and they're not necessarily like right behind Red Bull. Uh, so if we want to just look at like that cost alone, it's not going to be like this new team's going to be suddenly up in the front running next to Max Verstappen. So it definitely does feel like it's a little bit more of a show all your cards, like I'm all in ego move from the FIA at this point in time, because nothing else has come out unless it's just not public knowledge, which it really must, you know, could be of what was pitched behind the scenes. What are these teams coming in with and everything like that, that could maybe, you know, uh, 
they subside. Feel yeah, yeah, you make the teams and FOM feel better about their concerns about not only splitting the pot of money or just, you know, being able to know that these teams are coming in for the benefit of the sport and making it more lucrative and not just because they're like going in for a cash grab or something silly like that. Um, yeah, so, I don't know. It doesn't feel good to me. Yeah. Gosh, my brain is in seven different places, but I'm realizing something I forgot to say at the beginning is uh, the reason why the FIA can approve them, but FOM also has to approve them is there's this thing called the Concord Agreement, which is how they decide to split the money. So technically, the F if I'm understanding the complicated regulations and rules, I'm reading correctly. Let me add that asterisk. I, I did. I tried really hard to understand fully, but basically what I think it means is that the FIA can approve these teams to be on the grid and race, but unless the FOM and the teams let them into the Concord Agreement, they are racing, but don't get to split the pot of money. So hypothetically speaking, let's say, you know, Andretti races and let's, if FOM vetoes, is Andretti then able to race? And let's say they, in like a magical world, finish fourth in the constructors, like, does like money just no like skip over? Like, is it just like, boop, boop, boop? So skip, I don't boop, think like, they would ever let it get to that place. Right. I, I'm being honest. I mean, that but would be bizarre. Wild. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess it would be wild, but we would never see it because this is all technically is behind the scenes anyway. Um, I think... I think also, I think Liberty technically has a veto on, like, they can't veto the FIA approving any teams, but they can veto who the teams are. So there could be a way where Liberty Media says, oh, I'm totally fine. And I keep saying Liberty Media, but it's really Formula One management. So Formula One management could get around this also by saying, hey, we don't like the teams you picked, so we're going to veto the teams. And then the FIA is like, but you vetoed all the teams. And then it's like, oh, well. But so much of this is like interpersonal dynamics and relationships. So I think a lot of this reporting from this article and other things we're seeing is leaks of what's coming out. I don't really personally care if F1 teams make more money or not. That is not of personal interest to me. And I know a hang up on a lot of this is that they don't think a $200 million buy-in to the Concord Agreement is enough money and that they want that to be larger. And so that part, I really don't care about. I, I mentally chuck that out. I'm like, who cares? But the part I do personally as a fan care about is I don't think more is more. Yeah. Like, I don't, we have 20 drivers and 10 teams and we've had one team win every race this season. We've had one driver win all but two races. Throwing two new teams with zero infrastructure and having to invest billions of dollars to just get to a level of Williams, that doesn't, that's not more entertaining. That's not gonna improve my Sundays. That's gonna, not gonna make F1 a more exciting product for me. The only benefit is that that means there's more drivers on the grid, but that's never been me personally as an F1 viewer. That is not something that I feel particularly passionate about. <laughs> In yeah. any way, like I don't think four more drivers, but I also really acknowledge the fan experience and what people are talking about when they say they want that. I think, cool, that sounds great. Like if you want more drivers, there are definitely drivers I wish had seats, but I don't think what's 
preventing them from having seats. Like, I would love that if Colton Herta right now was in that AlphaTauri seat like he was supposed to be. But what is preventing him from that is not more teams. He still doesn't have the super license points, even if Andretti gets a team. Guess what's preventing that? The FIA. <laughs> so, like, to me, there's, like, a lot of, like, oh, well, there's all these drivers, we want seats. And it's like, yeah, me too. The issue is the FIA. It's not the lack of teams. So... What a surprise. It all goes back to the FIA. And I want to be very clear. I mean, the FIA leadership. I know there's a lot of really good people working for the FIA just trying to do their jobs <laughs> and are, are not in decision-making positions right now. For the things we're, we're not saying about. every single person at the FIA, no. but no, you no, know no. who you are. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm just... I'm... I think what's going to happen is we are going to get these two new teams on the grid. But Oof. I am very interested to see what the FIA ends up having to give up in order to make this quote-unquote win they're looking for happen. To your point earlier about how teams are just not doing a good job of getting fans on their side, it so feels like this topic is happening in a way that's like back burner to teams. Like it feels like there's so much happening internally in the season that it feels like every so often we'll get like a side comment from a team principal or someone on some type of staff. And it's not really like a formulated, like here's really where we all stand on this. Like here's, here's a comment strategy, someone yeah. asked us about this. So I think that's so spot on. It, if the teams could continue to get, together in a way and vocalize like a stance about why they feel like this could not be beneficial for the sport overall and not just in the sense of because I also don't care if you know teams have more you know nether whatever they're all breaking up and getting lots of money in F1 that's not brand new news to absolutely anyone at all but just for the quality of the sport and not talking in again we're not talking about terms of financials here so it's literal like for us as viewers or for yes. us and like and and how we and as you acknowledge, there's some people that want to see more drivers, but acknowledging how we as F1 fans like to watch F1 races and what we would hope to see it to be now. Like, I would love for it not to be like a haha joke for Haas to be in a P3 starting position or any sort of type of thing and be competing and then eventually fall back and it just be like a DNF situation. Like, for to have <laughs> Right. I just, you know, like, haha, we love seeing Nico do things in quality and then it just, like, go to fire on Sundays. But for maybe it to go a little bit farther than that, like, maybe to the end of the race where it's not max, it's almost like a lap and a half ahead of everybody, would be really lovely and enhance the quality of F1 as a sport. So it would be great to see all the teams get together on a unified front to vocalize this, or else I feel like it is going to end up being some backroom shady deal. We're going to end up with two more teams on the grid and FIA is going to give up something and it's kind of going to look just really sketch. And I don't know. I just don't feel like it's necessarily going to be better. It's I feel like we're going to end up with more. I don't want to say more hosses because that feels negative. But we're going to end up with a um, couple tractors on the grid. <laughs> well, we, we talk a lot about how we feel like we're living in the peak of F1 right now. And F1 doesn't feel like it's spiking in growth anymore. It feels like they're working and working well to maintain what was built. Uh, but I'm intrigued. The last time F1 added new teams, they're, I guess, Haas. 
But then before that, they added two new teams and they're not on the grid anymore. Like you wouldn't know who they are. And they, they, it doesn't work. Like adding new teams rarely works. And it's sad that like Haas is the modern success story of, and the only reason Haas didn't collapse is because of the financial regulations that were put in place, which is our next Google Translate corner we will talk about in a moment. There's your tease. Uh, so it's a little, I'm like, what? Okay, so we're going to watch other teams drive around in the back, not be able to financially invest in this. And then maybe the, the sport, I don't predict the sport to always be this financially healthy. So like, what's it going to mean then? I don't know. Just stand by more. Does, more isn't more. Always. Like, and I, I agree. This is definitely 100% going to come down to some backroom deal. We're probably... Not, it's going to be months before we figure out what they gave up, but it seems clear to me that the FIA really wants this and views this as a win for them, but I'm, I'm intrigued what they will have to give up to get said win. And you know what I would like for them to give up? Having to properly steward their races. Thank you. I mean, I hope they don't give up properly stewarding no no no. i mean like they'll actually have right. to start caring because yeah, liberty no. media is of like course. hey you're making us look bad yes. all the time right, the other, right. like there's this no. tension that like there's the tension about this but i think this story is a tension subsidiary of the fact that fom is like you are prevent your inability to correctly regulate and steward this sport is preventing us from making this sport not a laughing stock like there's mm -hmm. a reason that uh, the next story we're going to get into that I won't transition to now. I will let you say words first. <laughs> but, yeah. No, yes. FIA is going to be like, we'll let Lewis keep his uh, piercing and jewelry in forever and never bring it up ever, ever again if you let us do this. Like, it's going to be something like silly and dumb. I don't know. I'm over it. No, I don't I, think gonna... Liberty is going to let them get away with. There's going to be some big political chip that the FIA has is going to have to play. I don't know if we're ever going to know what it is. It'd be but... worth it. I mean, if we see some kind of unbelievable huge change. So, look, maybe if if FIA is willing to be safer and actually steward in an appropriate way. Yeah, I'd have more teams. Team. Sure, go for it. Uh-huh. If that's what it takes. Wow. Congratulations. You did it. You know how I know they approved the Andretti bid, by the way? Because Michael Andretti came out and apologized for the fact that he called F1 teams greedy. So yeah, like actual reporting has confirmed it. But as soon as I saw that quote, I went, oh, the Andretti bid was approved. He's I mean, you knew that if there was any, it had, like Andretti was going to, like there was going to be so much money thrown at that, that that had to be at least one, like approved initially. There was no way Andretti wasn't going to be part of that initial conversation. We've made that abundantly clear in the early episodes. <laughs> I think we're going to have to bring back F1 ring when this officially I gets approved. So. All of the new members of the grid and old. Oh boy. Close enough. All right, Google Translate Corner, number two. And that's because motorsport.com, but the Italian branch of it, is reporting that three teams have broken the cost cap, and we are going to get an announcement at the end of this month. So essentially, they're going to give us the announcement right before they go into summer shutdown. Uh, the reason I fully believe that 
there are definitely teams that broke the cost cap is because the president of FOM, Stefano Domenicali, is going around publicly campaigning that the regulations, the punishment for breaking a cost cap regulation needs to be sporting and that they don't think that the punishment for Red Bull was enough. So we have three teams that broke the cost cap, allegedly, according to these decently sourced rumors. Like this, this seems like a well reported rumor like this is it might be more might be less we don't know how much they broke the cost cap we don't know which teams which we don't necessarily need to speculate on uh, because we're going to apparently find out in two weeks but it brings up a couple of things one my major problem with the cost cap is that in a sport where money gives you pace the fact that no teams can spend more money than other teams no one's going to catch up to Red Bull, and it's really frustrating to me. Like, this is what we're stuck with. Great. This is really fun. But two, let's just say in this theoretical world, like, what, let's even say Red Bull broke it again. Like, let's, let's just say that happens. You're telling me that two teams broke the cost cap, and neither of them are any closer to Red Bull than what the other nine teams are? If you're going to break the cost cap, please break it better. The amount of times that we've chanted for certain teams last year and be like, just break the cost cap, just do it. Or even this year, it's like, now you've seen what happens, just overspend. And now thinking that maybe, like, if it was Red Bull plus two other teams that like, hi, hello, you overspent and it's still not happening. Like, I hope you overspent by a nickel. Right. And I and I don't know that Red Bull is one of the teams. I'm not saying right. that this they is are. hypothetically I'm just under the assumption if. Right. Hypothetically, there are two to three teams on the grid that broke the cost cap, but yet can't compete with Red Bull? What? We haven't had a, a, a different team win a race this season, but you're telling me three broke the cost cap. I can't really, like, if you, let's say this comes out. The only, really, the only thing you're gonna hear, if this drops and we're doing a reaction, we, we come in with a bonus episode, like, oh my God, cost cap regulations so and so broke the rules if mercedes is on that list and that w14 is this bad <laughs> with them breaking the cost cap i'm not going to be mad at them for breaking the cost cap i'm going to be mad at them for breaking the cost cap poorly i have to agree with you there yeah um ah! no i really am just like i i i wanted to at that point be any other team because I just need. Because I can't. I need. I need show for me my own sake. I'll be like, ah, that makes so that makes much sense. sense. That the makes McLaren. sense. Thank you, McLaren. Oh, you guys, oh. Did, you did it right. You did it, and you also both have money, so it's okay. Like, if it's if not it's okay, Ferrari... like I understand the rules. I'm just saying, in general, for the sake no, of, yeah, are in the sport. Red Bull has already done it so much, so other people need to do it in order to. We need to start over. We need to start the whole thing over. We need to re everyone just start fresh, start with a box, and everyone needs to start racing with this budget of that. And then I just can't because Red Bull's too far ahead. It all brings. It always comes back to regulations only work if people follow them. So you're telling like that was my whole thing with the Red Bull regu like breaking of the financial regulations. It's like, great, so Red Bull broke them. Then we're not going to strip them of any of their championships. Oh, so we're now communicating that to everyone that there's no punishment for this. Mm -hmm. So it makes complete sense to me that we had three teams go, no punishment? Cool, I'll do that. And right. then they broke... Like, and then, so what, this is all a farce. 
Like, people are just going to keep breaking the regulations. Like, and so if we get a sporting penalty this year, oh my gosh, imagine the nightmare. So we can't give Lewis Hamilton back his championship from 2021, but now we're going to punish three teams for what they did last year. I just, like, there's no winning. Like, and I'm not even trying to be a conspiracy theorist that the reason Red Bull, like, didn't get a sporting penalty is because of that or whatever. Like, I just could see this all happening, like, in slow motion. Where, like, if we want them to follow these regulations, you need to enforce them. So, of course, when they didn't enforce the right, like, Red Bull won the most publicized championship in modern F1 history that it came down to the wire that we all know they cheated on. Then they cheated again. Um, that we found out they cheated more than we thought they cheated, and you didn't take it away. And so, of course, everyone's like, like, I'm like, yeah, just throw the money at the wall. Like, it's just. Why have the financial regulations? Yeah, and part of my brain has this fear that, like, let's say, back to you, hypothetically speaking, those three teams are not Red Bull, like, at mm -hmm. all. And those three teams were taking the gamble of them going into last year being, like, Red Bull overspent or whoever, whatever, XYZ overspent. So we are also going to overspend going with their gut or going with the belief that the penalties would be as not harsh as they were not. Mm -hmm. And they're like, cool. So we'll just do that this year. But it all just, I guess you could say fell through because you didn't catch up to Red Bull in that sense at all. And now it's just kind of like a waiting game. And then imagine if it was three teams that are not Red Bull or anybody else. And uh, then all of them get sporting penalties to your point. Yeah, I would be, very upset. So it'll be interesting. Also, we're six months later. Right. I Sorry, can't. I, I will never be able to get over the unbelievable upside down backwardness of this like financial review of. The, I can't. I cannot have the pop and circumstance of celebrating a constructors championship and a drivers championship while the budget checking balances occurs in the middle of the following season when he's already probably locked up his next championship. I can't. It makes no sense at all. I. That's all. <laughs> in, in I guess you could say a summary of this mess do we feel like any of these financial regulations are working to get closer to Red Bull at all no I think it's making it harder to get closer to Red Bull I agree with you 100% this is fun <laughs> <laughs> We are in race three of this final four crunch into silly season. God, it's, I feel like this has been like an unbelievable stretch, even though we just had a race weekend, uh, an entire weekend off from racing, but it's hungry spa back to back and then mm -hmm. summer break. And I feel like we just started and honestly, Silverstone was so much to process that I just think a, a, a weekend mm -hmm. off in between was appropriate. It was too much the process of it being our favorite circuit to watch, of trying to understand what happened with McLaren um, and kind of just moving forward. And also, I'm nervous about Red Bull upgrades because... <laughs> what? What do you mean the, you, that thing can be upgraded? That doesn't seem... Fair, but we'll get into that later in the pod. Um, lots of interesting things going on this weekend, including 
a brand new qualifying format. So where I don't even know where do we want to start? You want to dive in with quali since that's one of yeah. our pieces of the entire weekend, and it involves it is the best our favorite thing of tire compounds. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they're debuting a new t- qualifying format test this weekend that was supposed to debut in Imola. We actually had a whole segment recorded about this already that was completely scrapped because the Imola race did not happen. But uh, right now, qualifying, they just use soft tires. What they're testing out is a qualifying format where in Q1 they use hards, Q2 they use mediums, and Q1s they use softs. No. You'll hear a bunch of reasons that are like, ah, it's going to be more exciting and more competitive, and I'll touch on that in a minute. But the true reason of this is it means that uh, Pirelli can bring less tires. So theoretically, it's going to be better for the environment. So by outlining what tires can be used in each qualifying session, they're able to bring two less sets of tires per driver. And so if you take, there's 20 drivers, there's 24 races, like you're saving a lot of tires essentially over the course of a season if they implemented this format. Things that are not true. Uh, This is not going to improve the show in any way. The pace of a car is the pace of a car. The only difference now is guess what? In Q1, we're going to have to watch the Mercedes cars go around for six laps to warm up a pair of hard tires before putting in their qualifying lap because tire warm up for teams is going to be rough if you have problems with tire warm up. Um, also, some of the joy of qualifying is seeing like the crazy times get put on the board. And for Q1 and Q2, we're not going to see that because they're going to be on hards and mediums instead of on softs. Uh, So I don't believe this is going to improve the show, but if this is Pirelli's effort at uh, overall improving sustainability, cool, okay, like I'm fine with it. I think actually a more interesting solution in my personal opinion would be make it so you don't get Like, normally there's enough tires where over the course of qualifying you can run five softs, which means that uh, the faster teams will run used at one point because you normally do two runs a qualifying session Mm -hmm. uh, and use up five sets of tires. I think it would be more interesting to say you only get one set of softs in Q1, one set of softs in Q2, and one set of softs in Q3. So you don't get two sets of new tires. I think there would be like an interesting strategic element there of, oh, well, do you only go out once then and save your new, your you, your new pair till the end? Or do you still do two runs and one of them's used? Like that to me, it achieves the same goal that we're talking about here. I don't know why I need to watch qualifying on hearts. It just doesn't sound exciting. But that that is in summary what we're getting this weekend. We're getting this new qualifying format that's supposed, if it works and they implement it, it's going to help Pirelli be able to bring less tires. Yeah, when I uh, originally heard this, this format and how it was pre- announced and mm-hmm. then kind of you know, the solution of it all has been, ah, yes, sustainability and two tires are saved per driver. I'm like, okay, so someone had a spreadsheet and someone just ran, how many ways can we set this up 
so that cool. we can, you know, right, which is really, really cool. So there is definitely a spreadsheet. There's a tab on some spreadsheet somewhere that is that exact way that you just outlined. But for some reason, and I don't know if it's just because it'll look nicer on a Pirelli graphic because then you have hard, medium, soft, and it works that way, and it just looks really nice. That's literally what it feels like someone picked for this qualifying format. And there you go. We just want tractors. We, it just sounds just... It, it it looks just too easy is how it seems because I, your way sounds like it makes so much more sense in terms of racing. I don't know what this, like, it, it feels like there's like reins being put on the racing, which like who wants that? Especially when like qualifying the entire like point is go fast. I mean, like everyone wants to go fast, but like qualifying is literally like now go so fast. It's also, so I understand that the more messed up a qualifying can get, the more messed up a grid is, the more exciting the race is because cars are out of place. So I fundamentally understand that, but I, I hate that F1 doesn't realize that their best product is qualifying. And can we stop messing with it? Like we had the sprint qualifying and it was so lame. Everyone was like, fine, we won't get rid of qualifying. We promise we'll just like make the sprint this separate other thing. And then like, then they're trying to do this and everyone's like, well, why are you messing with qualifying? The qualifying is your good thing. Like qualifying is the fun thing. And like the race is like the sometimes fun, sometimes not thing. But I get that they're messing with qualifying in order to improve the race. And I could, to your point about a spreadsheet, I can see the presentation of if we go hard, medium, soft, it might mix up the grid. Because some wrong? cars like certain compounds better than others, which is true. But I don't think that just because like the Mercedes car might not like the hard as much, that that means all of a sudden they're going to be out in Q1. Like, I don't think this is going to like dramatically shake up the grid. Oh, I also want to throw in the caveat because apparently it is going to rain that if it rains, all of this gets thrown out the window. And even if it rains just for the beginning of Q1, you can use softs in every other qual. Like, like this session, this only happens if we have a dry qualifying session. I can't. The rules are, everything's made up and the points don't matter. It's, it's yeah, fine. Sports. Like that's, it's everything that is exactly <laughs> all that it is. But I think it's just really difficult to be trying to implement like these kind of variable neutralizers when Red Bull is so unbelievably ahead after certain cost crap cost cost crap yeah yeah that's exactly it but cost cap leave it in future Brianna <laughs> when I'm editing this leave did that I, in. I did but was I wrong not at all no. <laughs> that was great all right probably tire graphics some of my favorite moments of the week <sighs> Woo. Uh, all right so, a couple things of note. Uh, they, Pirelli, brought a tier softer compounds this year. So, last year at the Hungarian Ring, we got the C2, 3, and 4. This year, we have the 3, 4, and 5. So, we got a softer step down, which I am always excited about because the more the tires degrade, the better it is for us as viewers. Nicole has a tire question. But if what we're... If we're currently struggling with the degradation of the tires, 
is is this kind of feeling like we're I mean not that you know exactly the <laughs> makeup of these exact tires but does this if we're even a step down if they're not degrading fast enough are we just going to be kind of like in the same ish spot as a year ago maybe I that is a very good question uh, <laughs> I actually think this weekend for this is the softest range of tires that's the best way to put it they could not bring softer tires than this so for that reason they went a softer step than last year and they couldn't go any softer so I think this weekend is actually going to be the test to answer the question you are asking fantastic uh, we've like we talked a lot after last week after Silverstone of like okay is it this new construction of tire that's the issue that they brought last week or is Pirelli too conservative this is not a conservative choice this is a bolder choice than I think they've actually made all season so if if we have a clear one stop and tires are not falling off at all then we have a tire issue to your point because this track as you notice from the many threes and twos here is kind of a middle of the road tire stress track where there's a lot of braking into in medium and slower quarters and there's huge downforce like we're going to see uh, monaco type wings at a track like this so there is a lot of pressure being put on the tires um so i Gosh, if we do not get, if we get a situation where people are running softs in the race, like there's a bigger issue going on. Yeah, big, big red flag immediately right there. The Pirelli is not doing something right. Yeah. And I always, hi, tired lover. Uh, I'm always very defensive of Pirelli because I think that they're in a lose-lose situation where they were brought in to be a tire supplier to get tires to degrade. And then they did that. And then the narrative set by people was that, oh my God, look at, I think they called them for years, chocolate tires. And then Pirelli's like, I'm in this in order to sell my tires. Like you can't. And so Pirelli meeting what we want, better racing. So tires that degrade more, we can't be upset when they do that and ruin their business. So now we're at this point in the Pirelli contract where Pirelli is, constantly too conservative and it's because they can't ruin their business which i completely respect mm -hmm. so if the tires are really hard this weekend everyone please make a pact that we thank pirelli for that because that is good for us we want teams to be struggling with their tires <laughs> because a two-stop is always better for racing or something that's a borderline one-stop two-stop which is an interesting thing about this track is that it's surprisingly for a dedicated track this is not a street circuit it is nearly impossible to overtake in this track so teams want this to be a one-stop so if we have a combination of super soft compounds because this is the softest in the range that is making it really hard for teams to do a one-stop but teams try to do a one-stop and then some teams try to do a two-stop and then at the end of the race we have the strategy convergence where the times for the one-stoppers are really falling back but the times for the two-stoppers like we might have someone chasing someone down for second place because of course we're not talking about first place here and 
So like we could have like uh, Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton going long on a one stop and his times are getting slower. And then we have a Charles Leclerc on a two stop and his times are going really fast and he's trying to catch Lewis before the end of the race. Like that's what a one stop to a two stop can do when the tires lose life and lap time. So that's, I feel like I give this rant every Pirelli tire review. <laughs> and, and, and you're not wrong you're not wrong all very solid points so you yeah, know it we we shall see it shall be interesting yeah those panic oh, there's nothing like get those last couple laps of a race when there's just been such an unbelievable incredible difference in tire strategy just create like such a, such an unbelievable panic i would love to see and in it my again. brain uh, of course so who knows so do we want it to rain during quality this time so that we can just throw this out the window of like things like do we want no, it to rain for a little bit in Q1 just so that we can just throw all this out the window? Well, that would be better. Like it raining a little bit in Q1 would be better for the consistency of my year over year data where I'm trying to see the development of teams. Uh, but... Until next year when you're totally <laughs> just like, I have nothing. Right. Uh, but I actually would want to see the new qualifying format because I just would be interested to see if it works and maybe it doesn't affect anything. And then Pirelli can like, maybe we end up liking it. Like you don't know until we see it. Mm -hmm. Um, and they're going to test it anyway. So the fact that they just keep moving the mark of testing it, like we might as well just test it, but it might rain in every quality session till the end of time. Yeah, I more don't want it to rain because selfishly as a Mercedes fan, I think Mercedes might not suck at this track. And I I would like to see the performance of their new front wing that was brought specifically for corners, like the corners at the Hungaro ring. So it would be better for me selfishly to see if that front wing works. So <laughs> that that's kind of how I feel. Okay. And... Now we approach okay. the subject because I think this is going to be a major subject for what I believe the rest of the season. But who who even knows anymore? Because I can't keep track of absolutely. I mean, not that I can't keep track of absolutely anything, but things happen sometimes when I least expect it. Let's talk about Checo. There's a lot of pressure on him, and he can say whatever he wants in the press, and as many times as people ask him that he's not concerned of who has a seat anywhere now. But, like, if you're in Red Bull and if you're not finishing P2, because, again, as you're saying, P1 Max has locked up, Red Bull's not <laughs> to, like, be losing the constructors or giving anyone an opportunity to gain enough points that they could you know, not be locked into the constructors in any possible chance. They want to be locked in, in a P1, P2 situation. And Checo this season has not been giving them that. Danny Rick is coming back to the grid this weekend. And I'm trying to contain my Danny Rick excitement and speak about this from a logistical standpoint. <laughs> There's a lot of pressure from all sides. Do we realistically think that? Do you think that there's actual pressure on him? Do you think he should be nervous? Right. Yeah. Duh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Checo, be worried. You're literally number two at Red Bull. They can do whatever they want. This was right. Like yeah. The, the number two car at Red Bull is like, you should just always be worried. <laughs> Anyone who thought he shouldn't have been worried, even for the last year, he should have always been worried. Yeah. Um, I think he got the kiss of death. As soon as you get the, uh, 
we are backing you. Like, as soon as you get the backing statement, it's it's really just the kiss of death. Yeah, so um, just Christian Horner's kind of like, we're not looking to replace anybody. But, you know, it's always really interesting to see what other drivers are doing X, Y, Z, other where. It's like, other, yes. <laughs> everywhere else. But, yeah, no, you never want, no, you only want to hear Christian Horner talking about you and no, no other driver ever. I actually think you just don't want Christian talking about you. As soon as Christian has to talk about you to the press, I think out of the context of winning a race, I don't think you want that. I think what we're seeing at AlphaTauri is the uh, immediate, uh, we are front in line to take Checo's seat battle. I think if Yuki beats Daniel, he gets it. I think if Daniel beats Yuki, he gets it. I think if neither of them are able to impress the big ups, then they'll go poach someone else and he'll get it. Like, I think we're seeing the end of Checo in that Red Bull seat. Yeah, Red I think Bull's the real around the grid and elsewhere. Oh, yeah. I think Red Bull has called every driver currently on the grid that they think is at least serviceable. Hey, you like, up? Hey. Yeah. Hey, you up? Hey. <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey, you want to you wanna buy you out of that contract? Mm-hmm. Hey, Alex Albon, like, gosh, going back, talk about going back to an ex. <laughs> but I do think that not only is Checo on a back foot because of everything that's already happening, the fact that they're bringing these massive side pod upgrades this weekend on top of everything else, Red Bull's bringing, like, what hopefully would be their last major upgrade of the season. This was to give them three plus tenths of lap time, which I never, like, lap time assumptions, like, who the hell knows. But we're about to see Red Bull take a huge jump forward again if we ever thought that someone was closing that gap and we don't know what they already can do like i right like they're already just like flip a switch and fly like i just who knows what this upgrade's gonna do yeah and so checo who's already feeling like he's on the back foot of being able to control the car then has to deal with a completely upgraded car this weekend i i am worried for him this week like and i wonder because we we know the alphatari is a dog so like it's i wonder how many races like let's take the daniel ricardo out of it for a second but let's say like part of the reason daniel ricardo's there as well is so they can evaluate yuki and they're evaluating both of them but let's say for the for the sake of your fandom daniel ricardo destroys yuki for the next two races before summer break uh-huh do you think or, or vice versa let's say yuki wrecks daniel ricardo for the next two races before summer break in like pace and quality and all the things like do you think they get the upgrade that quickly or do you think they'll even they'll give it longer like do you think he's actually like where where in your betting odds right now are you for checo making it to the end of the season assuming one of the two AlphaTauri drivers is making the other driver look silly that's the the line I'm going with here. Like, if I think Checo, meaning that they're going to call it before the end of the season? Mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to call it before the end of the season. And I only think, and, and that is strictly only because of when Mexico is on the calendar. Oh, that's a good point. And that's it. That's my whole entire argument is they'll finish it out. They'll win P1. They'll, you know, they'll, Max will win constructors will win they'll go through the whole entire thing and then it'll be like uh do you think we'll get the announcement before then though 
Like, do you think, or do you think we're going to go to Mexico? Right after Mexico. (laughs) Then what is it? Brazil. And it's like the Brazil race week. And it's like, bye. We're like going into Abu Dhabi. Like, it's like the last race. Like, but I, if that happens before Mexico, someone, I mean, not that I think that Red Bull is lacking guts already, because I think that's like their whole entire shtick, but wow, I would be super super uh surprised about that i mean unless then immediately like things begin unless like then discussions go somewhere else and then that's starting the whole conversation of then where checo would go elsewhere and my brain is still trying to process danny rick being at alfatari so but i don't I, i'm not that being uh prior to mexico yeah i guess except checo if like I think a lot of it comes down to Checo's camp because we found this Danny Rick announcement wasn't supposed to happen the moment it happened. It was actually Nick's camp that leaked it because they were like, F this, we're not playing along with your niceties here and we're not going to make this easy on your PR PR team. Like, I wonder if Checo would want to know earlier to negotiate with other teams. So like, I, I think what Checo and Checo's team wants might actually dictate the timeline of this. More and like, also, I mean, also whatever goes down in silly season, I think that's right. a guarantee. What of, seats open up, yeah. right? So we'll see, because then I think that then opens up the conversation of who Checo would be talking to, or if anyone, if anyone or maybe because he was out of seat before this Red Bull seat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hmm. but bringing this back to Hungary, I think that this is a huge qualifying for Checo. And I think he doesn't need to qualify well. He just needs to make it to Q3. And I think we stop. Which is the... so crazy to even be saying that he just needs to make it to Q3 in the Red Bull. In the rocket ship. <laughs> We're going to do some predictions like we do every week. Uh, it is not only is it the second to last race before summer break, but that also means it's the second to last race before we completely reset our predictions. So an update last week for the British GP, Nicole scored five points, getting the her prediction that Max Verstappen was going to win, right? And getting her prediction that McLaren is going to score the most points of the bottom five teams in the standings. Earth shattering. I mean, you're saying that like that now, but no one had any idea. We make our predictions before eight cars hit the track. We had zero idea what was going to go on with that McLaren. Yeah, but we were picking McLaren versus Haas, Alfa Romeo, Alfatari, and Williams. Like, it was... And neither of us picked McLaren the week before. So... <laughs> but, and then I scored three points because I didn't pick Max Verstappen to win the race. Uh, and I did pick McLaren. Um... I had another frustrating week where I was like one position off for like all my position predictions. But I have 47 points and Nicole has 28. Uh, This week, we have more points on the line, though, because in addition to our normal predictions, we're going to do two Danny Rick themed predictions, both worth an additional two points. Three points, two points. Which one do you want? Sure, three. What do I have to lose? Probably nothing, because I'm already losing. (laughs) Both words, an additional three points. So, starting where we always start, Nicole, who do you have winning the race? (gasps) I'm going to just keep going until someone just proves me differently. It's still Max. I have Max winning. 
I had a lot of fun not picking Max Verstappen last week to win this race, but I did pick Max Verstappen to win the race this weekend. Last weekend, it was a British Grand Prix special, uh, but I agree, until someone else proves that they can win a race, I will continue to pick Max. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, welcome back to this side of the, uh, of the track, and mm -hmm. um, we missed you. It looked a lot more fun over there um, for the episode, but it, it did feel really, really good to get, to get those points. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, who do you have for your P4 just missing your podium? All right. Uh, now we enter the stretch of I hate all the predictions I've made. But I'm going to say something I feel like I've been saying for weeks now, which is I really don't think Checo can perform worse in qualifying than he has been performing. His race pace, Checo's race pace has actually been good. He's just starting too far back for us to notice. So... I don't think his qualifying performance is going to be perfect, but I think it's going to be good enough for him to finish P4. Do you think he's going to get out of, uh, do you think he's going to, do you think Checo's going to make it to Q3, not affecting your predictions anywhere else? No, but I think he's going to get out of Q1. <laughs> um, I think is what I would, I, yeah, I think Checo will not be out in Q3, but I, don't think he's going to qualify at least in the top eight, but I think the Red Bull's a rocket ship and his race pace has been decent. So I think he'll be fine in the race. So P4, not on the podium, but P4. <laughs> what about you? Who's your P4? So my P4 of just missing the podium, I am doing a whole bunch of my preferred F1 PEMDAS and my P4, <laughs> I have George Russell. So you can try and figure out who I have in between and where I want other things to fall. And I'm not going to fill it in for you, but I have George Russell in P4. I also haven't picked George in a minute. So it just kind of felt like I was spicing it up a little. I am hopeful and the data shows me that Mercedes should have a better weekend than last weekend. And last weekend, look, Lewis was on the podium last weekend. It wasn't a bad weekend, even though it felt awful. This P4 jumped around. I had this jumped around a little bit, but oh, yeah. I settled on. My P4, P7, and P10 felt like a nightmare to pick. I can't believe I've landed on what I've landed on, but I'm living with it. Cool. So who's your P7, Nicole? You start this time. So my P7, best of the rest. I am kind of going by the vibes of... I feel like cars that will be good at Monaco might be good in Hungary, and a particularly driver that had a good race in Monaco was Esti Besti Esteban Ocon. Ooh. So I have Esteban and P7. Who do you have in P7? I also think that Alpine should perform better here, but I, it's really hard to predict Alpine's performance. But I actually went with a Ferrari driver, and I went with Charles Leclerc in my P7 because... I am not confident that the Ferrari. <laughs> Nicole, did I you knocked fall? over Taylor Swift in my stun. I'm so sorry, Taylor. It's so <laughs> fun. This is just, I don't remember the last time she's picked Charles for anything. Okay, right. I'm listening. I don't ever trust the Ferraris, but I think they will not be, if we're ranking the teams under Red Bull. I don't think they're going to be the worst. So I think they're going to fall right in the middle. And P7 to me feels like right in the middle. So Charlotte Claire, P7. F1 Pendang. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> famous, it's also just famous last words of, I just don't think they will anything else. Famous last And they will words. do. 
do the opposite. But last week was such a disaster. A lot of this is, last week was such a disaster. We're going to a completely different track. Ferrari is normally good on tight, twisty bits, traditionally. This isn't a tire eater circuit. Tires might not matter. It's so sad. They should have been so much better last week. They just totally botched it. All, oh. all of the times. All of the times. All right. Who should um, be 10? But we get to uh, wrap out P10, our last in the points. Uh, I'm going to go last because I'm going to go last. And oh, yeah. you can go I already <laughs> inferred who you're picking. So Ooh. I went with Lance Stroll for P10. I really don't know what's going on with the Aston Martin. Uh, because they did bring this massive upgrade a couple races ago, and it just hasn't materialized in any way. But I think they all season have better been better on tracks with slower turns and not high speed corners. So I think Alonso is going to be a little higher up. I don't think they're going to like jump again to the front. I'd be really I'd be really surprised if they jumped up a lot again. So I'm hoping points for Lance. That would make me happy. P10. All right, Nicole, you can do your thing. Do your thing. Because I can, and because it's possible. And look, everyone, I understand. AlphaTauri's car sucks. It is, I, I, I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a brick. I've been calling it a brick all season. But because I can and because I'm able to. Last in the points is Mr. Daniel Ricardo. And it's fine, and it's fine, and it's fine, because I don't feel hopeful. I'm doing it because I can, and because he's on, his face is on the garage! <laughs> yeah, if, if anyone hasn't listened or watched our bonus episode, which was our immediate reaction, uh, if you want to see, like, a really fun version of Nicole, I would highly recommend going and watching it. Oh my God, I used to have a landline behind me, but this landline was removed, <laughs> so I can't ask for help on this landline. <laughs> uh, I will. Uh, I'll give some actual Alphatari analysis because, look, Alphatari getting points isn't crazy. Yuki has gotten points this season. Yeah, Nicole right. has her fingers in her ears. She's not going to listen. <laughs> um, but so this, Nicole, this is not for you. I know you know what I'm about to say. But I feel like for those listening who expect a little bit of analysis, we should provide some. And yeah. it's that Alvatari's issue all season has been the bricks. And uh, Daniel Ricardo makes up his lap time as a lake breaker. And this circuit requires a lot of breaking. But that is, doesn't mean it's impossible. And oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it was on purpose. I wish I could claim it was on purpose, but even my tripod was like, nope, we don't want to hear it. Daniel's won this race before. He can do it again. Not really. I mean, we got imagine I that. No, Nicole, hope alarm. Hope alarm myself. I got to chill down. <sighs> Daniel Ricardo, P10, is where. Uh, it's, uh, look, I can't say anything. I picked Lewis Hamilton to win the race last week. So before wow, we get back to Dan- you yeah, before me, we you have this hope of Lewis winning, and I'm just like, he's gonna finish in the points, Daniel Ricciardo. Oh, I would cry. That's how just poetic of this moment would be for me. Oh, I think okay, you should just be happy if Daniel Ricciardo finishes the race. I <laughs> would. I'm gonna yeah. cry if he finishes the race. I think you're gonna cry in FP1 just when he's on track. 
Okay, but before we get to more Daniel Ricardo stuff, because we do have our special Daniel Ricardo predictions. Nicole, real quick, who do you have of our bottom five in the constructors' standings? Who do you have scoring the most points this week? So I did go by the rest of my picks here. So I did pick Alpine of as the highest scoring points just because uh, if I have Sebastian P7, I mean, I kind of hope that follows through. I also picked Alpine, mostly because I am done picking teams that are not Alpine or McLaren as they swap places into P6 and the Constructors, because I feel silly when I do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But if Alex Albon gives us a reason to, you know, eat our words, go for it, Alex. I give you permission. Hey, I'm telling you all next week that Alex Albon is going to be in my predictions and Williams is going to be the team I pick, even after saying that I'm going to stop picking teams that are not Alpine and McLaren. It will be Williams next week at Spa. This track? No, not so much. But I will be fully on that Williams hype train next week at Spa. Um, all right, Daniel Ricciardo predictions. So, since Nicole has already revealed hers, one of them is that we were predicting where Daniel Ricciardo was going to finish the race. Nicole has predicted that hers is P10. Uh, so my prediction is P17. I can't hear you. P10. <laughs> okay. And then the other prediction we're going to do is, do you think Daniel Ricardo in his first race week back is going to qualify below or above Yuki Sonoda? He's going to get pole. What do you mean? I just like <laughs> to inform for everyone who is only listening that through that entire segment, Nicole has been like, Cha-chaing with her hands, I guess is the best way to do it. I don't know what. I don't know how to describe it. Yes, but Nicole has been dancing and basically ignoring everything I'm saying, which is totally fine. She's just an delusional, happy Daniel Ricardo fan. I will also point out that for the first time in a whole year now, because in a weirdly poetic way, Hungary was where everything went down last year, uh, Nicole has brought out her McLaren Daniel Ricardo jersey that she swore to never wear again. The irony is so not lost on me. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, it's a cool jersey, so I'm glad you're willing to wear it again. It's expensive. So it's also just, you know, everyone, not an Oscar jersey. Yes, it is a Daniel Ricardo jersey that I yeah. did buy before it all went down. Um, oh, and I didn't say it out loud. I actually, I think Yuki's going to out-qualify Daniel Ricardo. Pole position. Sorry, I forgot to ask because I already had my answer. No, it's okay. I think I think we. I just gotta throw it in. Those are our predictions. All right, hold on, Nicole. Let me let me give you some music to to dance off to. Here we go. Gosh, this is gonna be great in a report card. And I know, and it's all fine. Welcome back to Yellow Sector Notes. Not the fastest walk around F1, but we will complete a full lap around the paddock, hitting every F1 garage, because this segment is my opportunity to tell you about news topics and things that happened that we didn't get a chance to cover. I'm going a little bit off grid this week, and I'm starting with an IndyCar story. That was a different grid. Uh-huh, different grid. But I make a tenuous F1 connection. And that's because this weekend, Christian Lundgaard, who is a formerly an F2 driver, by the way, that's my tenuous F1 connection, won his first race in IndyCar in his second season in the series. This story is exciting for so many reasons, and you might think I'm saying it's exciting because he's driving for, like, a back-of-the-grid team that even failed to qualify all their cars for the Indy 500, but that's not why I'm talking about this. I'm talking about this for two other reasons that are much more important. 
Reason number one, when Christian crossed the line first, they put a camera right on his best friend who attended this race, and he doesn't normally attend races. He just happened to come to this one, and his friend was bawling his eyes out, so happy and proud for his friend, and it was one of the sweetest displays of friendship that I've seen, specifically like male friendship, and I just started crying. Like, I was happy for Christian to win his first race. Like, that's really exciting. But I just bawling tears watching his friend cry so happy for his friend to win this race. And a reminder that IndyCar is a spec series, so winning is really fucking hard. You would think that's all. No, no, no. That is not actually the true reason. I didn't just want to bring this up because I want to talk about how I cried watching the IndyCar race this weekend. No, no, no. Christian and this same best friend made a bet that they would both grow and not shave their mustaches until he won his first IndyCar race. And these mustaches were getting a bit old. And in some of the best content I've seen of the entire year, they both shaved their stashes on the podium post-champagne. So Nicole, we're gonna watch both of these moments. We're gonna, I'm gonna share his friend crying so you can feel heartfelt, and then we're gonna watch him shave his mustache because it was just glorious. Iconic. I will say that when I saw him win the race, I just tweeted in all caps, SHAVE THE STASH! And he <laughs> and, heard you, and he did. And more importantly, IndyCarb, who doesn't normally jump on things this well, like, got him, like, I thought he was gonna go home and shave it, and no, 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 their content found a razor, and all right. So, uh, you'll all hear us in a moment after we, uh, finish watching this. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> That's so awesome! He'd never been to a race before! <laughs> That's unbelievable. Aww. Shave the stash. Shave the stash. Wait, my favorite part is that the random man goes, You're gorgeous. <laughs> like, just like listen to this random journalist. Multiple, multiple people, or multiple times of saying, You're gorgeous. The long cut of this video is that he calls his friend up and then he hands his friend the razor and it goes, no, 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 you do it. And then he had to shave his friend's stash. So there we go. There's Iconic. The... <laughs> All right, now back to our regularly scheduled programming. And now that, this sh that the stash was shaved. Words, bleh, 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 bleh. Um, Obviously, if uh, we'll, we'll link both of those in our show notes. So if you also missed this fantastic moment, you can watch it. All right, Christian Horner was interviewed on the F1 Run podcast, F1 Nation this week, where he discussed all the details that led to Nick DeVries firing and reassured everyone that Checo's seat is safe. There will be a dedicated kids feed for the race this weekend in the UK on Sky Sports. The broadcast will feature young commentators, unique graphics, and Nico Rosberg and Danica Patrick are going to be the adults in the room. I'm happy for Danica. That seems cool. Mercedes, Aston Martin, Williams, and McLaren all participated in the Goodwood Festival of Speed in England last weekend. Oscar Piastri, Alex Albon, Logan Sargent, Mick Schumacher, and Sebastian Vettel were just a few of the current and former F1 drivers who participated in this event. Toto was back at the Harvard Business School teaching this week. And finally, F1 is looking to make the engines of the 2026 regulations lighter and louder. That is the gridwalk for July 20th, 2023 completed. How was my sector time today, Nicole? Faster than Red Bull is probably going to fire Checo. <laughs> Thank you, as always, to VoiceOver Man. Google Translate really was the homie this week. And to our four-legged executive producers. 
If you are an audio listener, hello. Don't forget to follow, turn on auto downloads, and rate and review the pod. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe, like the video, leave a comment, turn on notifications, leave us a comment. Let us know if you're excited about Danny Rick returning to the grid or what you're really excited about about Hungry this weekend. All of these things really help other people find our podcast and we really appreciate it. It takes you two seconds to honestly make our entire week. Join us for daily grid walks on any social media platform that you choose. Follow us at Gridwalk Show on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and Threads. We'll be back to walk the Formula One grid every single Thursday, and we sincerely hope you join us. Today felt like a grid meeting instead of a grid walk. <laughs>